The price is right. But is the advice? Today we're going to learn a little bit about the distinctions between some similar technologies that an implementation for your business could make all the difference. Today on Cloud Sherpa. Were you going to mention our meme of the week? Yeah. Well, I'm talking about well, this is the intro for the show, brother. Welcome today uh, to today's episode. We have a little bit of housekeeping to kind of lay the premise because I'll tell you what, man, we have um, a nostalgia together that we share in yeah. The Price is Right. Great show, right? Uh, but one of the things that we recognize, too, when it comes to well, people- only the Bob Barker ones. Yeah. I mean, look, I love Drew Carey, bro. Uh, but I loved him on Who's Line? Right. Who's yeah. line is that anyway? It was a banger uh, of a show. But in in life, a lot of times there's a lot of advice given, but not all of it is right for where we're at. So even if it sounds right, if I'm not really ready to receive that or in a position to try to act on it. I mean, brother, one of the ways that we met had to deal with me also putting the carriage before the horse. It wasn't that the carriage was wrong. It's just wrongly placed. Kind of important. And so um, today we're going to talk a bit of, about how the advice needs to be right. Um, and I wanted to also show a little bit of the memes. I'm a bit of a meme lord, guys, that has gotten me in trouble because, man, they're really close to being right, but not quite, right? Oh, and speaking of things that aren't quite right, stick around for our What the AI segment because, dude, if you want to save yourself two to 500 bucks a month, you're going to want to see this. We're going to blow up an AI tool that you probably don't need. Yeah, probably not. Let's run those memes. That man's an imposter. That man is the imposter. <laughs> Read it. Read it. Read. Corporate needs you to find the differences between this picture and this picture. They're the same picture. <laughs> those are pretty good for this week. What do you think? Those are good, but the last one, <laughs> dude, I <laughs> not quite. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit about the difference of uh, VDI, virtual desktop infrastructure and desktop as a service, right? Yeah. Some people get them confused. Yeah, yeah. So can't quite say that the, they're the same. Yeah, that's true. And the more, you know, it's funny because the more you do just dig a little bit, you'll see how they are different. I did the same honest mistake when it came to when I first started learning about these things with like uh disaster recovery and, and cloud backup. Yeah. Right. So and, and, and it can be this. It can feel the same to the end user. That's true. You know, it's right. It's just uh, the experience can be the same, but not necessarily deployment, maintenance cost, all that good stuff. Yeah. So well, let's get right into it right now. Yep. So again, we're talking about the difference between VDI and DAS. Right. VDI being virtual desktop infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So I'm virtualizing my desktop infrastructure and then pushing down my resources, my programs, my applications and all, and, and all of my uh, data into, say, a thin client or a zero client, meaning no more computers on the desktop, right? Um, can be a fine setup, but VDI, virtual desktop, typically is an in-house solution. That means I'm going to deploy it from either my data center, which could be in-house, or maybe my data center's you know, down the road a few miles and 
I've got a 10 gig connection to it. Right. right. Um, but I am responsible for that server. I'm responsible for the maintenance of that server, patching that server, uh, all the upkeep of it. So with DAS, desktop as a service, it is truly as a service. So I might pay, you know, uh, 60 to a hundred dollars, um, per desktop, um, and of course, that's going to depend upon like what applications and, and services I have tied to that. And if mm-hmm. I'm doing my Microsoft licensing and all that through that provider, right? But everything is in the cloud. Yeah. So now all I do is, you know, hey, give me a, you know, a gig connection to the cloud. Um, and then I can, you know, run everything. Better yet, the way it's moving, moving today in a DAS world is I could even have a 100K connection to the cloud and still run my applications at gig speed from the cloud server. So like just in, it'd be like, I only have the drip of a traditional garden hose, but I'm getting a fire hose level of connectivity on the other yeah, end see, of that, right? In a DAS world, you know, the, the from a deployment perspective, so we talk about deployment VDI in-house, but DAS... All cloud. That means somebody else is taking care of the maintenance. Somebody yeah. else is doing all the updates. I don't have to deal with all that. Yeah. Um, and even security too. They handle all of that. I don't have to deal with that. Um, but what's really cool is the way the DAS has developed mm-hmm. is all I need to do is project an image down to your device. So your device could be your cell phone. It could be an iPad. It could be, you know, your uh, computer. It could be a thin client, whatever. Yeah. I'm logging into my session um, and I'm not just getting my CPU and my RAM and my applications from the cloud. I'm getting my bandwidth from the cloud. Yeah. So I can be on a cellular connection. I could be on a 3G. Yeah, with a fairly, t- right, with a fairly <laughs> you know, terrible. And, and running AutoCAD or, yeah. or, or Revit from the cloud right. at gig speed. That's the game changer. Yeah. Which, too, is like, it's interesting. You mentioned security a moment ago because I think it might be wise the same way we're going to do this today with VDI and DAS that we do this with like SOC and Seams, like the difference between those two. Oh, yeah. Another episode, yeah. I think. Um, but in the context of deployment, this is why going into today's episode, it's again, it used to be the price is right. And it might be that the price is right on either one of these from the way they're being presented to you. But if you don't have the resources in house, then it, it might seem more expensive, for instance, to go the DAS route, but it might make more sense in application for your company. So that's why today we're looking at why the advice needs to be right, not just the price. Yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> as a, as a, when we're evaluating these type of solutions, one of the first things we want to look at is what resources do you have? Yeah. Because do you have, if we're going to do a VDI solution for your company, right? Um, do you have an in-house guy that's going to do all the updates for you? Um, or maybe a guy that can actually be, you know, a day or two uh, a week down at the data center, you know, handling patchwork and all that stuff for you and updates. Um, that could be a lot because mm-hmm. now you've got, Somebody you're paying probably 70, 80 grand a, a year for minimum, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, plus benefits. Uh, and you've got to maintain the server. So you're buying the server. You're buying the, the rack at the data center. Mm-hmm. So you've got 
all of that and and even the bandwidth you've got to pay for at the data center and the power and, and everything. Um, whereas if it's a solution that's in the cloud, well, they got people managing it, you know? So we, we've got to take a step back and say, okay, do we even have the resources, you know, to handle something that's partially in house mm-hmm. versus pushing it fully to the cloud? So definitely the, big, you know, first step that for we sure. Have to take. I think that's, it's kind of, it's interesting because we've run into situations where some, someone gets to the position, right? The top of their mountain where they're like, finally, I can execute my level of competencies and they can't mm-hmm. because they're out of people. And, and you make a good point. Not only is it the cost of like the benefits set for that employee that you have to staff, but then it's also the hiring. Like you got to find that guy, the talent. And then if security isn't in place or resources to manage what they're there to do is in place, then you end up putting, shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. I mean, gosh, we were just talking to a customer last week, right? Mm -hmm. That, uh, you know, the guy's like, man, I'm a CTO, but um, I'm coming in every morning and having to handle 300, you know, break fix emails or password resets. And, you know, so I don't even have time to think strategy because I'm too busy taking care of break fix. Yeah. So the number one thing that that customer needed was the project management. He needed somebody. Yeah, great. I'd love to do that in uh, that type of solution and move Mm -hmm. toward it or a migration to the cloud for my email or whatever it is. But how am I going to get there? Yeah. I don't have the people to do it. Yeah. No problem. We'll give you the people to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's part of knowing who you are and, and, and if you even have the resources to do it. Dude, and think the taking care of just the employee, like the human being that is employed in that spot. Like if you have that much break fix to do in your day to day life as it is and it's already consuming you, how do you take a vacation and not think about these things? Like you can try to turn off the emails, but you're only quadrupling the amount of work that you have when you get back. And so then there's this like weird conflict of ethical interest, especially since work from home has blurred the lines of when do I turn off even with scheduled vacation time. And like, I can only imagine the difficulty. Well, this is the beauty of the cloud too, right? Because not, not only am I maybe possibly reducing cost, Mm -hmm. but it makes it a lot easier to plug the next employee into that. Yeah. Right. What if my CTO um, has a heart attack? Yeah, I overworked the guy and good grief. You know, now I got to go and hire a new CTO. And now he's got to come in and learn maybe all this homegrown, you know, CRMs and, you know, applications that this guy's built. If it's all in the cloud, you know, you just go, well, our desktop of the services with that company. We got our network with this company. We got our security with this company. Yeah. Um, just set up a meeting with them. They'll, you know, give you a rundown and, you know, away you go. And, and it's so much easier to plug into that. Yeah. So scalability, uh, and elasticity, um, all of that becomes so much easier. I want to open up a new location. Cool. I just call up my desktop as a service company and I order, you know, yeah. 10 new desktops for that location um, and tell them what applications I need on that desktop, what licensing I need. They turn it, turn it up and it can be done in literally a couple of days. Yeah. You know, they get it spun up for you. I put the thin clients or the zero clients out there. Give me an Internet connection and a secure router and switch. 
away you go. Yeah. Which is, it's interesting too, because we, the way we as, as businesses are moving is really the need to be elastic in today's market. Um, especially, man, if there's anything that impacts the industry specific, then your ability at times to be able to take the competitive edge if you're in a hyper competitive market is yeah. speed to market. Your ability to solve that problem quick enough for your end user customer. And it doesn't, so it's not to be biased on necessarily either side of VDI or DAS right now, as much as it is understanding the approach that's appropriate for your business. Model. Yeah. They're both great solutions. Um, and VDI could be very much the right solution for, especially for like an enterprise company where they've got a big IT team. They can handle all the workload. Um, you know, they're handling, you know, break fix every day and, and they've got, well, they got guys a dedicated that, team. Yeah, yeah. Siloed and they've got a, um, you know, a, a, a call center in house set up to, to be able to handle all of the, the break fix. Um, that's fine. Great. Go, go for it. I mean, if you've got the team to do it, and you've got the data center. Um, I know enterprise companies in town here that have built their own data centers out mm -hmm. instead of, you know, using a, a data center that's elsewhere. Um, the, the challenge in that is, you know, most of the data centers we work with are on multiple power grids and, you know, have uh, backup generators or, or at least a, a two end, meaning I've got um, a, you know, backup, uh, to my backup. Okay. So I can either take that data and I can, uh, put it across geographically redundant locations, or I can make sure that I've got at least, um, not just a battery backup, but a second battery backup. And then I got a generator, but I also get a second generator. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've got multiple carriers coming into that uh, facility. So if one carrier goes down, yeah. I can jump my data over to another carrier. So it's it's all of that kind of stuff. So that's expensive. Yeah, I was about to say that layers of insurance, own. right, uh, that you're paying for at that point rather than trying to build. Yeah, plus the armed guards with the ARs in the front are, are kind of a bonus. I, yeah, it's a touch, right? Yeah. Um, which has been cool. Uh, we have one coming up that I'd love to be able to do with you, which is to like tour one of these data centers and see like really the layers physical that are there. Um, but before we get lost in that, I, I want to talk a little bit about even the cost structure with these two different solutions. Yep. Cause like you mentioned, if an enterprise client, maybe that makes the most sense because they have these siloed guys, but then how, how do they approach that cost structure versus a different business that doesn't have that resource on hand? Well, some businesses, depending on how they're set up, they may, um, their accounting may be better suited toward amortizing something over five years. So in other words, they're going to want to buy their hardware. So they go, look, I'd rather buy it amortize it over five years. I depreciate it off, but then I keep it for 10 years. So I've got five years of free hardware, basically, right? right. Um, when you're doing the cost models between the desktop as a service and VDI or, or anything in-house versus cloud or partially in-house, um, whenever you're dealing with those two types of uh, things, you've got to look at how does your accounting work? Um, because you might be better off just doing a monthly stipend or you might be better with the amortization model. It depends on how you run your business and how you do your accounting. That also kind of makes sense too with, you know, being one uh, cognizant of even if 
it's funny. A lot of the business owners we talk to or the, the, the decision makers, the councils will talk about how like, yeah, but we're different. And it's like, look, there is a level of that's very true, right? Like if I'm in the same industry serving a very similar demographic to one of my competitors, it's I'm still different. Well, that's the reason I'm in the market and, and we're taking advantage. But that doesn't mean you need to take the same approach as maybe one of your direct competitors when it comes to how you how you serve that end user and how you would consider the technology that you're going to implement in your company. So that all impacts how I hire, who I hire, including the vendors that I'm hiring to help execute, not just the people. So that's a really good point because it's not always just about the solution itself. Um, a lot of it's going to come down to the vendor, right? So uh, how financially stable is that vendor? Um, what kind of support model do they have in the back end to handle, uh, you know, my, uh, trouble tickets? Um, you know, how nimble are they? Are they answering the phone quickly or is it, do I get a dedicated rep? You know, mm -hmm. all of those kind of things play into, uh, what's going to make a really good vendor. Um, and that's why we, you know, not just kick the tires on the vendors, uh, in terms of their technology, but we're also digging into their contract, you know, because sorry, contracts aren't written for customers. They're written for the vendor. Yeah. Um, and so we want to really dig into it. We want to look at what is that SLA look like if downtime really does happen? Um, you know, is the SLA going to be important? Most of the time it's not. And so we tell customers all the time and you hear this, Stop looking at the SLA. Look at your term and termination clause. Yeah. Um, if the crap hits the fan, how do I get out of a bad relationship? You know, because that's more key, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and that's happened where we've had to bring in the backup provider because the first one overpromised and underdelivered. Yeah, but this is also true to why you know things don't necessarily end up um, going wrong as much as they start wrong. And so picking on the front end is very important, curating, procuring in the case of how we conduct ourselves. But even with the, again, it goes back to the advice that you're getting. You might get advice that is like good advice, but doesn't apply to you based on where you're at. Or you might get quoted a price that is exactly right for the sake of what the interests of those who are looking at the budget are concerned with. But if you look at the implied costs by not considering, right, isn't that, isn't that kind of one of the things that we're called to do, even in scripture, right, is count the cost. Mm -hmm. Count the cost. Is the cost just physical? <laughs> in many cases, no. No, there's a lot of implied costs that should be uh, accounted for as well. Um, because certainly if you believe a certain way, you're going to act a certain way. And so if I believe that I have to stick to the budget because of what the budget says and what the budget means, it's not that that's not important as much as does it really solve the problem that we even put this budget in place for, yep. you know? So um, something else I, I'd like to get into before we end up uh, rolling for the day. There's a few things also about VDI and DAS I think we can get into, but I, I, I got to ask about this AI up uh, uh, approach that you had seen, because one of the things that we'd love to do on this show is talk about what the AI is at. Different things are happening in AI all the time. It's really fast moving. Mm -hmm. Seems like there's people who are popping up and proclaiming to be experts. Sometimes they got some really good ideas. Other times it's like, this is goofy. Yeah. So I think what you're talking about is the the one program. So I, I play around a bit with AI. Um, I, I use ChatGPT4 almost every day. Hmm. Um, I'll toy around with it in one fashion or another. Um, what I look at is if they're 
if they've got an application, is it just like a skin on top of ChatGPT4 or is it really something new? Right? Right. So I took a program and I wanted to run a couple prompts, you know, to, to see, cause this program promised that it could tell me if the content, so you could take your content, let's take a snippet of content, maybe from your website or something, drop it into this program. And it's going to tell me, is that AI written or is it human written hmm. or what percentage of likelihood is it human to AI? And it was kind of surprising results. I'm like, wow. You know, so, uh, our one, we, I put one of our blog posts in there. Yeah. And 99% it came up, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. Um, it's, it's realizing that that is human written. But then I took other copy that I put in there and it showed me that it was 100% AI. But I went back to chat GPT4 and I said, rewrite this like a human. <laughs> and what do you think it did? <laughs> Got a lot closer, right? It ended up getting like ridiculous on the scoring. It was a 100% <laughs> score, human <laughs> score. So I'm going, okay, this program is just telling chat, chat GPT four exactly what I just did. Mm -hmm. Rewrite that as a human. Yeah. Yeah. And this is also where like, you know, it's, it's easy to fall into marketing gimmicks and look for all intents and purposes. The, pr the presentation of this product is actually pretty dope. Like mm -hmm. the ability to be able to just scan and at a glimpse, see what it is that's fake versus human, right? Here's the deal. Learn chat GPT for learn prompts, understand how to uh, make a dance and probably most of the AI tools that are out there today, you don't need them. Mm. 25 bucks a month versus 200 minimum for this program. Yeah. Yeah. On the low end. On the low end, it was like 500 to 1500 on the high end. Yeah, dude, that's some coin. So, and if you're small business or maybe you're just getting introduced to this, that's still not coin you necessarily got to throw at it. Now, in the context of like the VDI and DAS conversation we just had, man, maybe you got the money to burn and you're like, I'm so willing to not do that, that I'm willing to throw the money, then go for it, yep. right? That doesn't mean it's a bad investment. But if you got the willingness to understand how these things work, then you could also understand, like you're saying, when it's just a skin, a facade on the front end of something that you can get for a lot more of an affordable rate that does just as good of a job and most importantly accomplishes what you're out to do in the first place. Right. So that wraps up today's episode of Cloud Sherpa. Stick forward to the next. Oh, stick stick to us, right? Stick, however, I'm supposed to sign off here. <laughs> Let's run that again. That'll uh, well, sign off, right? This is a sign off. Hey, so that'll wrap up today's episode of Cloud Sherpa. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Advice is Right. We're going to probably do a couple more segments like this with some very I like it. Yeah, close distinguishing uh, subject matters. So let us know if there's something specific. But I think, you know, either socks, seam, we'll, we'll probably do something like that next or. We'll probably touch on some cybersecurity stuff. There's a lot of uh, misinformation out there. Yeah. Disinformation. Yeah, misinformation. Dude, it's just information. Is it, is it good or bad? That's what we're here to help distinguish on, uh, yep. on the advices right here. Thanks for tuning in with Cloud Sherpa. I'm Joey Perez. Derek Roush. Until then, Luke 923.